welcome to the HPM podcast. I am a robot that's very happy he's not Elon Musk, and I'm joined by Frank and Kyle. Frank and Kyle, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. <laughs> Hi. It's the Kyle. It's so, the real one. He's here. We think. I've we joined. found him in Halls of Thumed below mm-hmm. a Denny's parking lot in Florida. <laughs> and um, we got him. We finally got him. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, we got him. Yeah, if you look inside of the freezer at the Waffle House on I-75 in East uh, in East Bradenton, Florida, next to the Mayaka State Forest, that's where I live. Um, the hollow grounds of Florida. Yeah, but I'm armed, so... Just cut, cut you, if you come and try and find me, just know that I'm armed. Uh, well, yeah. Once again, Florida. This is this is all part of the course. Yeah, it's, it's, that's right. Yeah. I talk to guys. I move now. That I live in Massachusetts. Every once in a while, some guy will see that like I have like viz on my hat or whatever, and he's just like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "Do you hunt or whatever?" I'm like, "Yeah, I used to a little bit." I'm from Florida. Every time I say I'm from Florida, they go, "Oh." <laughs> Oh well, of course. <laughs> they say they say the exact same thing, and I'm like, ah, so our rep- our uh, um, our reputation precedes us, as I, of course, already well, know. But you say that, but now that first off, I'm really happy to have Cal uh, on on the show because I'm a long time fan of Cal. I actually owe like a lot to Cal because to Cal I got to know Frank, and uh, well, now Frank and I are here, so this is uh, we. So yeah, no, I. I would not be as happy with my life right now if it wasn't for Cal. Oh. So it's it's been long overdue that I finally got to have Cal on here. And um, other than that, uh, now now that once again we already opened the Florida gate, so we we I have to ask now: How do we feel about the uh, the Ohio coming for a Florida spot in most despised state of the United States? How what is what is that? Give me your well educated thoughts on that, Cal. That's. Uh, so I have the advantage of, I mean, if you're, if you're like a, someone from Florida, there's a solid like 50 to 60% chance that one or both of your parents are just from Ohio. And it happens that both of mine are. Um, so I spent a lot of my childhood going to Southern Ohio and Eastern Kentucky too. Um, so you have cross-contamination? That's yeah, oh, a significant, <laughs> significant amount. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, you know, they're not, it, to that point, they're not extremely different. So it makes sense. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to come for Florida status as the state that everyone likes to talk shit about. Um, but I do know, I do know that I, the last time I drove through Ohio, I got pulled over. So, which, you know, they're that's aware. the consequence of driving in Ohio because Ohio cops will, like you know, it's the curse. If you drive in Ohio, you will get pulled mm-hmm. over. So uh, currently on my shit list, um, I'll yeah. say <laughs> that sucked. I was mad. <laughs> it wasn't even for speeding. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm just asking because once again, uh, not not even from the American content myself. So <laughs> I just see uh, because this, this is a media podcast, so I get to talk about the best media, which is social media. <laughs> And I see that like Ohio, Ohioification of comments is just, it's so interesting phenomenon to me that like, I, once again, I don't know how it starts. It's just people don't want to talk about Florida anymore. So it's like the least funniest person 
finds the other least funniest people and they all upvote the one comment that's like uh least crazy person in ohio or like uh, like there's this type of memory about ohio yeah. it's like i once again i'm not saying they haven't deserved it i'm not saying that they haven't it's just uh it's, it's all just, not it's all teams it's weird team sports like like <laughs> it's just a, like it's like like Ohio is not exactly the same in so many ways as so many as so many of its midwestern neighbors, you know. Like Ohio, I lived in, I went to Bible college in Indiana. Like, oh wow, is it like it like it's any different than Ohio? No, it's <laughs> it's not. It's the set. Like I lived, it was an hour and a half from the Ohio border, hmm. and it was this. It's looks like this is the same. It's all you know. At least sports rivalries are a thing you go to and you do. You know, and that you see, like at least it's a like it's a it's a it's a it's a much less ridiculous way of communicating with one another than this abstract. You know, you know the Simpsons bit. Uh, uh, white guy drives a car like this. Black guy drives a car like this. It's that. You know, mm. like there's a very popular Simpsons bit um, of Homer's watching a stand-up comedian, um, and the stand-up comedian just says black guy drives like he's black guy and he says black guy drives a car like this and he says white guy drives a car like this and just just it's nothing and homer's like homer thinks it's the funniest thing in the world and that's how you know it's like oh this is nothing (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's it's nonsense we're all the same and so oh god yeah we're just wondering when it's judah's turn that's that's all i'm saying i'm sorry to uh to conjecture here but uh (laughs) I, I only know Utah because once again someone that's close to me builds a uh, framework for online libraries, and the actual biggest Mormon community uses it. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, this is a guy from Europe, it's from guy from my country, and like the Mormons use uh, his uh, online. Well, the company that he works for uses their uh, online structure for their. Uh, scriptures. I, once again, I don't know. I, I just know the Mor- Mormons are a bit. Um, Coming from a group of people that have a long history with prophecy, uh, I don't mm-hmm. really understand the Mormons. No offense, it's just uh, interesting, interesting, uh, interesting folk. That's uh, so I don't know why Ohio, what what Ohio did wrong necessarily, but uh, thank you for <laughs> shining a light uh, on my ignorant European mind. That's uh, always just I'm always understand. here. I'm always happy yeah. to explain the United States to people. <laughs> I think I think I'm a good candidate for it. You're very helpful at it. Definitely, definitely. And because it's so easy to just not understand, but Carl, Carl, you can't make Carl small when it comes to understanding things. That's this, this, this faint hope. But um, in all seriousness, sorry, but we have to get You to, say that uh, as if we haven't been deadpan serious about all this. Yes. And no, everything. no. Okay. But uh, everything. Subject is matter serious. Legally sorry. actionable, uh, <laughs> serious, super, super serious actual opinions yeah though no, if anyone has any questions about america you can you can get that call at not good but it's uh yeah just while so we are here originally twitter. if you do you can add me on twitter <laughs> yeah precisely um just look for an, an, an information a description of the podcast but uh we are here gathered to talk about a show that i wouldn't blame you for not knowing at all um it's love death robots on netflix it's aired in, and I closed my Netflix stuff. I don't know when it aired. It doesn't tell uh, me. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Okay. There we go. Then 2021, and then 
the third volume this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I opened IMDb. They got good summary. They've got good summaries. Oh. Um, yeah, it's helpful for remembering all of them because there's a lot of this, a lot of these. Yeah. So it started airing in 2019, and it's a anthology, short sci-fi esque, uh, animated series. That's uh, yeah, that's about sci-fi tropes, and I thought that hey, that might be interesting to talk about because once again, left page and here we media is is up till now. Not 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 that we purposefully want to the frank and i want to do this only about sci-fi or whatever but it just ended up having, well the, having a lot the of idea was to it. do something that wasn't a video game for once and it turned out to oh, be sci-fi yeah. again yeah it's like oh yeah this is a media podcast wink wink and it's just been straight up video games up till now so we we were also obligated that's one and, of them that's one yeah, it is it's it, it, it it's, be a media uh, yeah no definitely uh, but you know, let's be honest. Anthology series are the video games of media, of uh, of television. So uh, this is uh, still still within the borders, I feel. And um, we at least didn't pick a series that is about a video game. So that's that's we could have done Castlevania. We could have done Frank, yeah. Frank finished it. Um, <clears throat> so I'd put something with Dracula in it. That would be easy for Frank. But no, it's not. It's, it's there's there's the common running theme that uh, I need to finish both games and shows and movies and things. Uh, but I don't because uh, chaos You've got and the thesis. Oh, and books, of course, uh, which includes audiobooks <laughs> as well. I'm not helping my case, um, but I'm making it so yeah. Easy for you. So now Leon's gonna keep pressuring me during live episodes. So hurrah! I'm sorry. It's, uh... it's fair. <laughs> that's how I. That's I have. I make. I make stuff or have or talk about things on podcasts, and it forces me to finish. Yeah. Um, things I start that is the that it gets me to, I, I I always said Frank anytime Frank would ask me to come on left page I was just like oh an excuse to read literally an excuse to read fiction because it would force me to like like it was speaking of science fiction the last time we talked about Kim Stanley Robinson which is a book I had been meaning to reread for a long time and having suggested it and I just you know it's nice that it's something that make me sit down and you know work through stuff. I like that a lot. Anyway. Yeah, you have ADHD as well, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah no, same. Yeah. And I think like setting these arbitrary, no, not arbitrary, these custom deadlines really helps because we yeah. can't get really motivated until there is the end in sight. We, you yeah. know, so that that has really helped for me as well. I think so. That I can, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. We we're talking about all the three seasons for everyone. So yeah, uh, also. Yeah, we're going to talk about spoilers. Yeah. If you're really set on watching this, they're still worth watching if you know, even though you know what you're going to, uh, even if you know what's going to happen, it's still very, uh, I think it's still worth a watch. If you like sci-fi, I definitely say, hey, give it a shot. Yeah. Once again, the there's a very low bar to entry here. It's, uh, the, <laughs> you don't have to get invested because once again, anthology. So, and they're very visually interesting, I think. I think just, to start off with the one thing that I do think is universally positive throughout all these episodes is that there's always an interesting uh, visual element to it. If you like yeah. animation, I think this is going to be, uh, once again, I'm not an animation expert, so I don't want to talk about that field or anything, but I do think this will be very interesting. If you're into animation, different kinds of animation, 
uh, live live action esque CGI animation or just like drawn animation and so forth and so on. Um, I think like within current adult animation because these are all very uh, oh yeah I guess content warning ish. They can deal with some very gruesome uh, <laughs> physical situations. For a show called Love Death Robots, there's very little love involved. Yeah, well, there's the one that I want to talk about that has love in it, but that's literally also the only one. Uh, unless you count nationalism, then there's two. <laughs> but other than that, it's um, it's mostly death and robots, and it's quite gruesome uh, from nudity to violence. So it's yeah, it's uh, just a polite disclaimer here for people who have who have issues with that or whatever. It's uh, it's it's very rich in those elements as well. But yeah, I do think the visual fidelity of the show is its strongest point. Yeah. I watched them all a while ago. And I thought, oh, this will be interesting for a podcast episode. And now having rewatched a bunch of them, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if, if, if I have, have a lot to say about it or anything. But that's, that's fine. I do think if Cal, or sorry, if, if Frank and I can talk about <laughs> a video game called Gris for like an hour and a half, <laughs> then... This will be easy as well, especially now that we have the added benefit of having Kyle on here. So that's uh, it will be fine. Yeah. So is there anything anyone feels like starting with, or is there? Is there... Yeah, I wanted. I want to know if either of you have seen Heavy Metal. Have you seen? Yeah, I have seen, but at least once. So I didn't rewatch Heavy Metal. Yeah, neither uh, did I. I haven't seen Heavy Metal since I was in high school. But when I saw that it was basically this project grew out of what originally was supposed to be like. A, a TV remake of the movie Heavy Metal. Um, I thought that was really, I thought that was really interesting for a couple of reasons. The first one being the sort of the themes that came with Heavy Metal, which was like, okay, so for people who aren't familiar with Heavy Metal, it was this movie in the 80s. Um, it was mm -hmm. the same anthology style as um, Love, Death, and Robots. And it worked with a in 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 the same. Funny enough, it's it's they retained a lot of the emphasis on uh, violence. Um, the that yeah, it it was like they the sort of thematically they stayed in conversation, but like was instead deviated. I think more heavily into uh, it was like like you know heavy metal was based off of a magazine. And it kind of felt like it felt like flipping through like there's stories and visual elements and this sort of like it felt like this interesting kind of work of pastiche that it's I a very eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> extremely extremely eighties. And already it was extremely eighties, but already working in like retro culture. A lot of the music was from the decades like previous mm -hmm. and it was this kind of sort of sum total of 1970s music with like you know i remember like blue oyster cult and shit like that yes. um there is sort of this this sort of like crowning like moment for this sort of subgenre that like was very unapologetic about the way that it sort of uh portrayed its content and that like took those its usual sort of like preoccupations with these weird ideas and this like and a like a psychedelic abstract art style com combined with like elements of uh, science fiction and fantasy um, 
you know, I found really interesting. Now, do I think Love, Death, and Robots is doing that? No. But Maybe sometimes, <laughs> yeah, but... exactly. Yeah. It does. It has some conceptual symmetry in sort of the theme, the very sort of like the clear themes that it's placed forward, which are the three words in its title. I think, I don't know. I think that I think the anthology just as a form is really interesting and is something that's not um, utilized as often as I as 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 I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know what y'all think. No, I think you need to hit the nail on the head of this that this heavy metal is such a oddly influential work that is referenced throughout like so many animation because it's like this birth of or the solidification of adult animation within the American I think especially American or just Western maybe like anim- animative canon if you want to call it that it's um I think with all greats, or not greats, but influential works, there are a bunch of people that learn the wrong lessons from it. Or like, like once again, you talked about this, uh, this very, uh, that is like not gruesome, but then they, people look at it and they think, oh, gratuity is cool or mm-hmm. something. And I think there's a bunch of episodes within Love, Death, Robots that really looked like at heavy metal and like subsequent works. I think, oh, cool, animation can be very gruesome and gratuitous. Let's do that. And they think they treat it as if it is an end uh, in and of itself. And this is this is a phenomenon that, of course, transcends uh, like genres and so forth. Uh, first off, check out all Kyle's videos on YouTube, but especially their, uh, his latest one. About it reminded me a little bit of your uh, your video on uh, nostalgia, the mm-hmm. nuclear family one. The you know this whole fake nostalgia for certain things that are just the people just take parts of the skeleton and just like those things and don't place it in the concept as it should. I think at least. Um, but there, there's some words. <laughs> Sorry, this is not making a good case for Love Death Robots, which is not necessarily what I'm trying to do. But this sounds way too mean that it actually is. But Kyle did land upon something that I'm quite frustrated with a lot. Not that I think that, oh, my conceptualization of things is the golden one and woe on you if you disagree with me. But it's, but it is, ah, it is a thing, isn't it? With people looking at certain things and just picking the very surface level bare bones type stuff from it uh yeah anyway frank do you have anything to say on it (laughs) well i um i think uh i think being the youngest in the room is showing Uh, i've not not seen nor heard of heavy metal but uh i i'm interested need to need to look for it uh but i've been thinking about the aspect like the anthology for like a tv show kind of thing because that it's it's been done a little bit like i'm th- trying to remember certain things it's like i remember because um, uh horror vanger they, they spoke about this like creep show kind of thing it's been done with horror uh but yeah. generally like anthology kind of shows and things aren't that common they, they show up every once in a while but coming from you know working with literature and fiction it's like that happens a lot more and i like that in in literature but not as familiar with it in, in this way. And like, I, I had a bit of a challenge. Like, what, what are we going to talk? What, what am I going to talk about? What do I have an interesting? And I was like, I very much took, um, yeah, I, I looked at the episodes and have some ideas about certain of them, but at least the ones I watched. Uh, 
but I generally speaking, like just how what the anthology is doing, it's like what are the themes in place? Yeah, love that robot, sure, but it feels to me like it's a show that gets a lot of different tropes, sci-fi and not, and like plays them in interesting ways and almost always visually interesting and sometimes more conceptually interesting and sometimes it, it's in between. Um, I, I have some issues, specific episodes. I'm like, you could you were doing so well. Why do you have to do this now? And now you're over. Ugh. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, I think that's. Inc- I think actually, I think what you both said is what should encourage people to watch it and to think about the sort of structure of it, um, and to continue past. I, I like something that's compiled like this because rather than a serialized or full narrativized or episodic larger narrative like TV usually is, um, it has the feeling of um, something that you can come in and out of that you watch an episode. If you watch an episode and you don't like it, you still have a reason to watch the next one because some of them, I think some of them are great. And other, I think some are very bad, um, and I, I, I really like. I really like that. I like mm-hmm. polarizing things. I don't like uh, the sort of manufactured consensus of our contemporary like critical moment, right? Like this, like you can go on and see the scores and the ratings for things and have an objective idea of how that film or movie or what what it's going to say really what value you get from it it has this idea that like we have to rank and like organize and sort of like on some like you know scare quote scientific scale find the way find the thing that you're supposed to be getting out of this which in capitalism is always enjoyment like it's always entertainment I need to, I demand or need to be entertained is really, I demand to enjoy. Um, when a lot of people say that, and I, that I, I get, I get very confused by that sort of like critical lens and literally anthologies and stuff like that automatically disrupt that lens Mm. because it's (laughs) art, different artists and different styles from different studios in different countries, (laughs) like with, it's adaptations of like science fiction and short stories animated by some written by someone directed by someone and animated by someone and all sort of it's a it's a woven pastiche that's actually to me very sort of like expressionistic uh which is Steph, as we know like empty pastiche is Fortnite, right yeah. like it's all of these collected elements it, the it's a, it's the it's the true logic of capitalism and then you have expressionism which is the logic of subjectivity instead this sort of like like waning sense of this waning stability in the way that i see and i experience things always i'm always destabilizing in the way that i'm <laughs> engaging with art I think about thinking, you know, it's expressionistic because it works with, you know, genre fiction because it's very contemporary. But, you know, expressionism was like, it's all, it was all about fucking dreams and (laughs) vampires and shit. And like, what, what if this cabinet's all haunted and weird? What if a star 
gave gave a guy the ability to create unlimited power like that <laughs> and that's actually to the credit of a lot of the stuff that i see especially in the third volume of this you know becoming a singularity with the moon and shit <laughs> you know like the moon's gay by the way oh definitely um, <laughs> that's one thing that we yeah. that uh love death and robots i think really sort of made its best argument is that moon's gay mm -hmm. um the moon is a lesbian and uh also you can go be in the lesbian singularity which sounds awesome <laughs> uh <Yeah>. but <laughs> <laughs> like a queer hive mind like a literal manifestation yeah no definitely uh one of my favorite moon. episodes i think of the third volume um yeah, me too. it's amazing to 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 like once again, like uh, I, I agree with Carl. It's something that I, and this is not so much analysis of anything other than, <laughs> other than I don't want to go to therapy, so I have to complain about something real quick. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's this, this the thing that, that Carl said. I uh, I have that as well. On the one hand, and on the other hand, I'm like like st struggling with how far do I go with understanding what is good and that, that sounds so fake i know but how how far am i allowed to go with saying a thing is bad a thing is because i don't believe in ontologically bad i don't believe in ontologically good necessarily but as a shorthand i will admit i'm i'm a, I'm a yeah. hypocrite i will definitely just say oh no this is this is trash like hamilton mm -hmm. is just not good and uh <laughs> just gotta gotta sneak in hamilton there oh but, um, <laughs> i have a whole thing about i don't I, I don't think i've ever talked about it on a podcast but i have a whole thing about hamilton and it, I, uh, it's it's evil it's it's very bad it's very bad oh i'll call things bad <laughs> i think it's okay to say that things are bad but it's just it's the it's the it's when the good and bad is determined whether or not i am receiving my treats right you know this mm -hmm. is this isn't this didn't treat me <laughs> this was a thing Definitely. that like and and that's when it, and literally all you do is you get past that and this like a really like the real critical lens opens up which is like you know pick your position make an argument bring your evidence let's hash it out is this good is this meaningful is this bad does this say meaningful thing that's why i'm such a i'm so annoying to talk to about this stuff because <laughs> i'm like oh i don't think this is a this is a good movie but i'm obsessed with it and it's good in the thing that it says that's why yeah. I, that's why all the evil optimism like <laughs> you know uh pitch perfect stuff you know that that whole yeah. phenomena that I, I cannot stop thinking about and talking about like I, I i'm addicted to that stuff and i literally have called it fascist uh, and <laughs> i but i'm like oh i'm addicted to this kind of thing i'll watch anything that k cannon makes uh i watched the amazon cinderella movie twice once was on a plane okay um but it's just like i'm like this is it was when cinderella wants to become a small business owner yeah. that's her dream <laughs> <laughs> the true meaning of cinderella is just a mom and pop store ask uh, oh speaking know. of things she speaking wants, of things she wants to be a girl boss <laughs> speaking of things you like it's kyle awesome. and, and are obsessed with are you gonna watch the christmas boss baby special of course yeah i, I i'm I'll make the time for it. I made the time for some of the television show. Oh, I didn't expect anything else. But um, <laughs> to, to uh, quickly like go in on uh, the thing that that Kyle said about like the cabinet is fucked up. <laughs> the cabinet is like spooky or whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, 
episode from the first volume that came to mind immediately was Beyond the Aquila Rift. And I don't know if uh, Frank probably didn't watch it, but uh, did you watch it? Uh, let me check. No, okay. Probably not. It's fine, by the way. Okay, no, it's, it's fine. Uh, for those who are listening, I, I gave Frank like a couple of episodes that uh, they should watch, or not not as mandatory, <laughs> but that I think are interesting to talk about. It's just like a helpful uh, guideline or anything. But um, it's um, it's about a man uh, exper- experiencing like uh, a sci-fi trope about. Oh, I go, I go through the portal. I end up in the other side of the universe. Uh, I don't know why he's Italian, but uh, Aquila. That, <laughs> I that's was going to say. Um, it's... I, go, I go through the portal. <laughs> it's yeah, no. Mamma mia. Experience classic sci-fi this time displacement. Um, <laughs> Mamma mia. But it's um, it's just it's one of those it's just one of those uh, classic tropes about how to explore uh, male fantasy in a deranged way. So what I like about uh, what Kyle said about the messed up cabinet or the creepy cabinet is that this is a classic thing within short stories and of course anthology series are the short stories of uh, of visual media and because from the get-go because he goes to the portal and ends up at the wrong side of the universe and he's told as much. Uh, we don't even need to tell. It doesn't even need to be told in dialogue. You see the ship being all fucked up and shit. And mm-hmm. They say, like, uh, with the visual language, they tell you, like, oh, oh, he's fucked, he's fucked. But you don't know yet, like, the the, the cabinet is creepy. That's, this is this is obvious from the first couple shots. But you don't know how fucked it is. Yeah. And that's that's what I enjoy. <laughs> it's like, you, you, within the beginning of the short story, we all know this is the... This is the dance that we're going to dance. But how intense is this dance going to be? Like, how fucked is this guy? Tell me. And this guy is just so fucked. This, oh my god. It's like, okay, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't... Nah, we said spoilers. I can talk yeah. about it. It's yeah. like this this weird spider hive mind. And he, he is, has experiencing this reality. Like, oh, it's too good to be true. And um, it's, it's like Deus Ex Machina written small in some ways. Because that movie, um, it also talks about heterosexual vulnerability and, well, vulnerability, just stupid stupidity. But other than that, it's uh, it goes on and telling you about, like, oh, he is envisioning this and this. He Even he knows this is good to good be true. And uh, then he has, has one, uh, he has the opportunity to realize what's really going on. And then he's like, no, give me champagne and tits. And I, I just want to die of malnourishment or something. I don't know. It's it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't like that animation style necessarily. It's not really interested in. Uh, then just it did look action. like a Mass Effect cutscene. It looked like a kind of like a Mass Effect cutscene. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did find the like the tropics are important. I think right. There's this. Um, there's this. It's the sort of the it's the it's the language of this these particular co- collections are the um f- the familiar elements that are you know sometimes you know like I think an- I think another example although I think this is the better one that I'll continue to talk about but you think about the you know finding the giant civilization inside of um inside of some kind of an object or you know yeah. that emerges in like i mean like we we're like we were talking about before we started recording there's something that i had written down that we already brought up which is the simpsons treehouse of horror yeah which is very similar yeah um conceptually 
it's a, it's a collection and they they started when did they when did they start doing it consistently like season five? no season two um, season two onwards season two they started to do it every yeah. year okay um they uh um and it's all that that's all like you know that's you know that's animated adult television so it's refer extremely referential and tropic it's all references but at the same time it uh i don't know i just i i find the the there there's a language in tropics um that i think work in 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 the in the sort of having sex with an alien but not knowing it (laughs) kind of way having telepathic sex with a spider monster alien in a hive mind of other lost ships it's very nice (laughs) i i find it i find the conceptualization of is it's so horrific but at every point in time it tries to be not horrific which Mm. i think is quite endearing of the spider brood monster like typical Leon to like stick up for the spider brood monsters as I always do <laughs> as one should but other than that no but it's like well, something it doesn't work and this is, this is not important but I have to say it um, they try to establish this alien as caring and like look I turn into a mental equivalent of a naked woman for you Don't, am I not nice here's mm-hmm. champagne over my tits and it's like this is what you want right and and then <laughs> <laughs> then he wakes up and he realizes how fucked he is and then that creature emerges from <laughs> the shadow very scarily they lay like have a creepy howling voice and whatnot but it there it, there's no recognizable element of that caring uh, element anymore so it was that was a bit of an odd choice it would have been nice if she even in her creepy form would have been like caring or something mm. that's that was kind of missing and then the guy rejecting that and passing out or whatever and then her reestablishing the sequence of however she does that i don't know it doesn't matter but that that kind of uh, i was like ah so close so close to being yeah. interesting but um yeah anyway this is i i kind of wanted to start off with this one mainly because it deals with this most classic sci-fi trope i think like if you look at 70s 80s sci-fi there's a lot of like little stories about oh you're at the wrong side of the universe or like oh time is relative cool <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. That's uh, yeah. Um, uh, like Carl also t- t- just said about the finding the civilization in a cabinet. Uh, there's this uh, ice box with a civilization in there. It's cute, I guess. I don't know. It's it's it, it tries to depict history in. Uh, so, okay, so th- the idea is that they open this drawer and there's a micro civilization in there, and that micro civilization goes at a gazillion times normal speed. And this little civilization then goes through all these kinds of stages while the other two normal humans are looking on. And it then that's like that's also a really old idea, I believe, of like small little people yeah. mm-hmm. um doing stuff. But then that doesn't go anywhere. And I was like, ah ooh, I <laughs> that's just too bad that there's a lot in there. And once again to get back to the thing that uh Kyle also was saying about I do love its jaggedness that it, it takes such deep dives in quality and then it's good again. Yeah. I found the other one uh, with the Soviet Union very interesting. I didn't expect a semi-positive take on the Soviet Union people. Uh, <laughs> Soviet Union people being allowed to be heroes. Uh, this, this is very rare in American 
uh, anything really media literature doesn't matter they save themselves like it's not there's no western agent required to like uh they do cause those problems themselves which is uh, I, I guess it's this um it's this take on uh the soviet union for for some reason having to turn to occultism yeah and it's 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 hellboy but not good uh it's hellboy what but what if what if like uh what's the actual rasputin or something that makes no sense um in in hellboy i mean but it's uh anyway they summon a bunch of demons and they at, at least uh take care of demons or whatever it's, yeah it's like it's oh th- let's use these for the war oh it backfired oh no now it's an infestation kind of thing and then we're, we're following this I tried battalion to decipher wh- when this was i don't know but it was it's, like right after the great patriotic war i think it's least. in during the second world war well uh to, to draw to a, another episode which kyle said that he had stuff he thought about it a lot and I, I, I was interesting, and I, I kept thinking about, like, oh, you know it's fucked up, but you don't realize how fucked up the spooky cabinet is? It's uh, Suits, uh, which is really... It's just fun, um, and it's interesting. And then there's the ending where it's like, oh, no, this is really fucked up. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the final shot. Of, well, effectively, it's, uh, it's these, these farmers, uh, but they have giant mechs to defend against uh, alien... Uh, incursions and uh, you know bit of romp bit of fighting uh, interesting work together and then uh, at the end we realize they're in a sort of dome around a planet moon thing um, surrounded by these literally surrounded by these uh, well I'm gonna say they're, they're Warhammer gene stealers basically that's that's how I saw them <laughs> and less interesting terrorists yeah. yes and uh, it's a planet full of these domes. And uh, is it Earth? Is it a different planet? No, but it's very fucked up. Um, and that's it. But it's... Uh, I know, it, it's... Thinking about that as sort of c- contrast, it always lines up something interesting. It's like, yeah, it's, it's massively fucked up. But people still find things to be happy about and enjoy. Because, um, you know, they're people. Sorry. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting... It's a fun episode. I had watched it before. I rewatched it. And I was like, yeah, this this is good. This is still good. I would say I liked uh, that this is a depiction of what normally would be rural farmers in the United States. But they're not stupid. They are a caring community and yeah. like uh, they're not, yeah they can they can they're all engineers so once mm-hmm. again uh, I I've worked with engineers and they're not necessarily the bright people everyone thinks they are but yeah. uh, moving on to that don't worry it's, um, <laughs> my my you. husband works with engineers and says the same uh, oh really um, okay, okay so, sorry now I have to talk about this um, does he have to translate engineer notes like the uh, notes that engineers make is he has to turn their like reports and writing right that's exactly oh. good sounding things into full sentences that people can read and understand it's horrifying it's it's i i they can't write they can't write it, it makes me feel like like the closest thing i have come to like experiencing cthulhu cultists <laughs> to to like <laughs> decipher the secret messages and like debating am i gonna gouge my eyes out or not it's like it's really funny because there was this trend on social media about like this guy talking about 
course curriculums in universities and he concluded like oh why do engineers need english class i was like you have never read you've oh. never fucking read an engineering oh report you fuckhead you should shut the fuck none up none of them can because it can't be yeah why so people can understand what you're fucking saying please I mean, come on that's just that's just like well, yeah, that's just everyone's the pain of everyone who's ever been anywhere near the humanities trying to just like it's just like you have you have no idea how much you need that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, oh Christ. Anyway, so I like I like big robots. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I like the big mech suits. It's it's funny because our science has developed so far now that we know by a landslide that the vague resemblance of a human skeleton shape is not at all the most functional shape we can imagine to do stuff mm. but still we, i still like max i still re, uh, they're so stupid i don't like them it's just yeah. you know this go clonk clonk and I, I i respect that i emotionally identify with that it's inter- it's interesting to me the thing about suits what it reminded me the most of are these sort of like conservative tropes in a lot of really popular media that has only gotten actually more popular with the release of a television show called Yellowstone that I'm fond of tweeting about and that I've seen every <laughs> oh, episode wow. of um a few times. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. My family's really into it. my family's really into it and I find it I find Taylor Sheridan really interesting. The sort of the creator of that show, he I don't, he's probably not that heavily involved in that show anymore because they have several other shows. He writes film he did he's been like he like writes movies and stuff and he was also in Sons of Anarchy and stuff like huh. that. But uh oh, he uh, um he like uh, um, is doing this like he's basically behind this long brewing but part- that what's a return to frontier in conservative culture mm. that's really been popping up a lot um, over the past like everything's cowboys and stuff. There's still the tropics of home invasion present in a lot of like conservative media, including some of the movies that like the Daily Wire puts out and stuff stuff like that. Uh, like Ben Shapiro's production company, and then the you know oh, they're sorry. like <laughs> that reminds me we should talk about Ben Shapiro's short stories one time, Frank. Um, I I actually short have stories. them, and they are they are ter- one is actually not that bad, and I hate <laughs> to say that, but the rest is so terrible. I, we need he to does have a novel, I believe. Oh yeah, the novel too. is even worse. It's about like a mil- guy in the military, and it's clearly a self-insert. It's like yeah. there's even this whole there's half a page dedicated to him saying like, "Well, Lucky's dead. He was cl- late to bloom, and his chest didn't round out properly." It's like Christ, Ben. How about you're just the most transparent, trans- transparent fuck out there? Anyway, uh. like dress it up a little bit. But the, the funny thing about his short story bundle is that he tries to be this all-American writer so fucking bad, but his mastery of the English language is just not good enough. Yeah. And I hate to be snobbish about it, but it's just embarrassing if you try to try to be Faulkner or whatever, and you just you just don't know how to. Oh. It's like just anyway. Sorry, that's you know, sorry, it's ri- like American American prose really is not uniquely so, but in terms of the sort sort of like stuff that's come out of the united states is very like rich yeah. and like i like i i'm a i'm a big fan of the southern gothic and things like it's that it's so awesome the, it's really like, good and varied it's fucking moby dick <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah i'm like i'm like these guys yeah i'm like those guys so here's my here's my character jim smart guy good body who 
doesn't have a spoon chest and can totally have sex <laughs> and is like so smart that he scares everybody. They're just like, oh man, look how smart that guy is. He can have sex if he wants to, but it's not normal for a woman to experience pleasure in bed, so he doesn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, suits. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I swear, like, there's, there's just this, like, there's this anxiety in the frontier and conservative culture that's been around for a really long time. It's just, it's the... It's this. It's the place where, like, it's the danger of expansion, mm -hmm. and like, it used to be more about the expansion, but now these days it seems to be more about the, you know, the the he the hellishness, um, the uh, sort of like the punishment of this necessity by virtue of expanding into of manifest destiny which is really what like the prequel show to yellowstone is called 1883 there's going to be another one that's coming out very soon actually i think in like a week called 1923 i'm interested to see what they have to say about the first world war um i i'm i it's just gonna be it like it's so because the writing's not bad and the they get they kind of pull in big names now because these shows are really popular and so like the new prequel is going to have helen mirren and Harrison Ford. Oh yeah, really? Okay. It's kind of wild, but like, and I mean, I think it's just—it's interesting to me, and it reminds me of one of the sort of like, I think one of the a, a really good example of a quintessential version of this was the movie A Quiet Place, um, oh, which yeah. is, in my opinion, very interesting pro-life mm. propaganda <laughs> like but it, it deals with it's 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 made by like hollywood liberals and it deals in this but it deals in this sort of like language of the hold your loved ones close which is the solution the only solution to all of the sort of very anxious like changes anxiety inducing changes that conservative the sort of like conservative dream house is coming up with these days like it's it's anxiousness is around things that they see as inevitabilities um and so it, it's very much like still the same sort of like politics of like american goodness and virtue or whatever in this kind of like jacksonian masculinity that i'm fond of bringing up all the time just because it keeps being fucking yeah. relevant just read the letters of andrew jackson and you understand kind of like i do love to talk shit about the fact he was very um he did he 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 was a wife guy, Andrew Jackson, big wife guy, and he'd get really offended when people were rude to his wife, and he'd write them mean letters. That was something that he liked to do. He loved, he loved, he's a big wife guy. And uh, anyways, uh, but no, this the the plot. The suits kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Which, in what it reminded me of the most, is the parts of all of that stuff that I always recognize. I'm like, oh, this is what reson. This is the stuff that resonates with people because there is a sense of they do a good job of building a sort of sense of shared identity and community oftentimes across like in the case of a television show like yellowstone across not perfectly but across barriers of race and gender um the sort of like a sort of like a libertarian like ver set of virtues <laughs> that like aren't necessarily like that it's how i how i manage to communicate with a lot of the people who i'm close with and care about back home because it's stuff that we all agree on mm -hmm. you know 
Like I, I, I know a lot of people who, yeah, they harbor some levels of prejudice in, in some ways, but who at the end of the day are typically really just to treat everyone with respect. Yeah. Because they just kind of, they, they, there's this sort of just like, you know, if you like really the, the way to get the, those people on your side in any matter is just to be a hard worker. Like that's, that's the, that's the prime value of like my family. It's like, if you work hard, you earn the respect, you earn everyone's respect. And so it's the, that language is like, like, I understand, I understand when, and I, and I, and I find it interesting and I like it and I want to interrogate it and figure out what it's saying to me when it's like in some of these television shows and like, you know, in some ways in this hmm. episode, when it does, it, people are, people are displayed, not just as human beings, but human beings who look out for one another and take care mm-hmm. of each other and who have a specific like a, a way of living life that they all seem to understand and like i think that's comforting to people a mu- meaningful know. sense of community is something yeah. that's like because this is what something that's okay so like even if i'm european i i love american media like it's it's so interesting to me like i, I can't go into it because i would just once again like have a filtrated version of what Kyle just said it's like saying with less slightly less interesting it's um it's just uh it's to me once again as someone who's not part of the united states regretfully and thank god at the same time um it's no no offense but it's just um (laughs) this idea of how and this fills into the idea of how people talk about like the american south and somehow this sense of community is only ascribed to like people who who are we are conditioned to look down upon and this, this, like these uh, very religious people, and or very conservative people, and so forth. I'm like, uh, and then, then they kind of want to give like, uh, they, then they go to the coast and whatnot, and like, oh look, there are queer people who have some kind of community, but they're very frivolous and gay about it because they're not good for anything else. And it's just like, not my opinion, obviously, for those. Yeah, <laughs> just this is how it comes across to me. And it's, as a queer person, you know, I, I can't. Uh, this is how it comes across to me. It's like, oh, okay, so keep. And this fits into once again, I think this idea of forced, uh, like these remains of puritanical ethics of Protestantism and so forth, which is also still a big thing over here with our Calvinism and so forth, which is. Oh, no, I can't get into that. That will just be a whole thing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> One day. But what I'm trying to say is that the community, once again, it's it's rare to see it depicted in a meaningful way. And uh, usually by more libertarian media or liberal media, community is then kind of rejected and there's just friendship, sort of, kind of. And you're supposed to be, you're supposed to experience community for a small group of people that you really like and share values with. And it's not something that's crafted or uh, like something that costs active effort, like approaching community as a verb or what have you. And uh, I'm not talking about the show community, by the way, like the real, the, the real conceptualization of uh, community. Yeah, there's. So that, that, oh, sorry. Uh, go on, uh, go on, something that's like I. It, it shows up a little bit, um, but this idea, in terms of utopian studies, a little bit. Although I'm working with fiction, this idea of like intentional communities. And it's like, oh, the setting up of specific mm-hmm. communities, purposefully. And not always with a utopian idea, that kind of thing. That too. But be it religious, be it... It's usually religious a lot, but not only. 
but uh, thinking of like certain things I've read uh, and other stuff that mentioned these experiences, like these livings in particular specific communities and seen as such, especially in the US, it's like how that is a, a thing, like more than another place, at least my, my experience here either. It's not like, it's not that there's always an absence of community, but this intentionality of community seems really present in like a general American feel thing or as a born desire or thing uh that makes any sense yeah oh absolutely it reminds me most of just church and which is the language that i've you i use pretty much i use the language of church and theology and stuff for everything that i talk yeah. about purely out of like necessity in the way that sort of the way that i was raised but also now i have a you know now i've done a bunch of reading and i have a bunch of theoretical garbage to back it up but at the end of the day it's because in all of the like intellectually rigorous spaces I've been in, including like political and workplace organizing, I would definitely include. Um, I learned all of my everything. I learned everything that I've done to build community has been done using the skills and the language that I picked up at church, where my family was very, very, very involved always. It was a thing. I would talked about the value of work, mm-hmm. right? Um, like now, I don't. I, I don't think I, I. I'm not a virtue. I'm not a politics of virtue guy. I'm a. I, I'm a. You know, social change via language and force. You know, like Marxist <laughs> guy. So I find, but I. But but at like, the the. What what's what matters the most? I think is the is like is is the is the way that ordinary people sort of experience their lives and has given has has given me sort of everything i didn't see my life as like my life in a lot of ways growing up felt exceptional because of the way that my family works i know that but they're ever they're not like everybody but they also are workaday and ordinary and ordinary things have extra meaning in the same way that the extraordinary does transcendence is something that is imminent um and continuous rather than um so particular that i can't that the so that the so that as i've talked about and as leon as you pointed out the sort of conversation between the cultural world and the way that we experience and live our day-to-day lives um, that I talked about in my most recent video on YouTube, which was all about like, you know, there's there's poetry in a social geography that would seem so normal and ordinary, but that like I know it has meaning because I've experienced it and I helped build it. Um, and church was where all of that came to fruition, you know, three days a week. And Protestant churches that like you know, all churches require an incredible amount of volunteering, but Protestant churches are built off of volunteer, volunteer, or volunteer labor and volunteer leadership. Yeah. My parents still, my mom, my mother still sings in church. I learned music, music, which is one of the most central parts of my life. Like, yeah, I took piano lessons and stuff like that, and I played in school orchestras, and I learned music that way. But I re- like everything, like the way that I play music, the way that I think about it, that all came from church because I come from a family of church musicians. So, you know, like this is all just to say, that's a big long thing to say that like, 
like the meaning that is most interesting to me is that which is so considerably quote unquote work a day that you can see in an almost like universal or at least a predominant sort of language you can show people how special their lives are and it's all in the community that they build with each other it's all in the process of like you know i i I like to use the word solidarity as Mm -hmm. a sort of like as a means of as a as a further as a means of furtherance and cohering you know intersubjective experience um and you know I know this is all just to talk about a you know a, a, a ten minute <laughs> animated thing about bugs, but 17. I think there's <laughs> seventeen. Excuse me, uh, but at the same time, you know I think that's why like I'm obsessed with all this conservative media frontier culture because like I nice. find it to be so cynical and like it, it's using all of this really beautiful like emotional language that I'm familiar with, but then its conclusion isn't hope. Its conclusion is like doom. And I'm just like, okay, so where are the hopeful ones? How do we how do we take this and we make hope of yes. it? Um, and like that's that's that, like that's everything. That's everything because it like f- fuck all the sort of it, just as you were saying earlier, like you know the 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 tropics of looking down upon some certain geography or some certain group and up the you know the politics of solidarity. You know that works so well in class and in geography, like, like that. That's truly powerful, right? And that can, you know, you know, community self defense. I guess is the value that we're yeah. Thinking. Yeah, no, that's just why I'm so confused. And to give like a very small, rapid personal anecdote as well, then about community, it's um, uh, why I'm always so confused about it. And what I'm really thankful for is that uh, my grandfather who uh, is one of the people that helped raise me, the mother, the adoptive father of my mother, like, but it, it is my grandfather. Like, I don't see him as an adoptive mm-hmm. father or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he passed away past October, or last October. And he, uh, <laughs> despite what people might know about me, if you if you don't know, this, this doesn't really matter, but it might seem odd because that man is a Catholic. And um, his sense with his little Catholic community within, uh, which is a minority religion in the Netherlands, because most of us are Protestant, and um, it was really interesting because since a young age, he always and never arrogantly, never, uh, with this very ge- almost generic old man sense of solidarity, always like helped even older people when I was young, when I was like a still of a child. And he helped like the old people who wanted to go to church and like did and got like little. The only thing that he had that was even remotely prideful was like a very small trophy that they got him made out of made out of like old steel with like a little uh, like a coat because he uh, what do they call it like coat carrying. It doesn't translate, but um, it's like a, a you have to officialize it in Dutch as a code like covering you and you are you're taken care of by the code because the code keeps you warm but I don't fucking know not important but he um, like him on his deathbed and my me being there and like us sending out a text like hey well he's probably gonna die soon if anyone uh, wants to come by or whatever and there was a woman that came by that he when he was in his old home like gave some financial advice on how to start her own beauty salon 
And I have never met this woman. I've never, for one fucking second, uh, knew this woman existed, by the way. So it's like, who the fuck are you? And it's, uh, she came by, it's like, oh, you, you gave me, uh, within that community, you gave me just this one bit of advice, this one time, and you improved my life for the better. And it's like, Ted, to me, was always this fundamental sense of value of community. Not that this, this is holier than thou thing, but you can affect another person's life with one small good deed, with one sharing of knowledge. And I, I'm just so perplexed always, because since a young age, I've always witnessed the community or the power, or not, I don't know if power is the right word, but the positive, the clear, abundant, positive effect of community yes. in its very simplistic, mundane forms, mm -hmm. and him never uh, like beating his chest about it, like, oh, look at me, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. He never told us about helping that woman. He just did it, because that's part of his ethic sets, that's part of his uh, sense of community. And yeah. I've always been perplexed that that this sense of new age liberalism is well it's not necessarily new age but uh, i think Kay, the co-host of agap made a really good they made a really good video on it um about what we get long, wrong about liberalism i can wholeheartedly recommend people watching that because uh, they go into like thatcherism and reaganism and so yeah. forth and i think no matter what your ideology is you you, you should watch that video you should also just watch k k is great but um other than that so that uh, past October, witnessing that, I was like so vividly reminded of how immense the positive effect can be with simple, singular actions. And so this, this is why I'm so perplexed. Like, why would you renounce this sense of community? Why would you make it seem like alongside religious fervorism or whatever that it is some this outdated concept? I never understood that, but. Anyway, so to finally move on from community, otherwise uh, we'll be here forever. I'm so sorry. But um, Cal just said also this this impending sense of impending doom that I think there's something I struggled with a lot. And an episode that goes into that is The Witness a little bit. Uh, the Witness is the most popular episode of season really? one, of volume one. I mean, oh yeah, but if I look at online activity, that episode is shared. Like I've seen so many fragments of that huh. episode and so many people talk about it. Mainly because um, it's done by the studio that did Into the Spider Verse as well, which is funny. If you look at the content of The Witness, it's it's very graphic. Is what I'm trying to get at. Um, it's uh, uh, brief parentheses because the audience can't see my deeply confused face, but I'm deeply <laughs> confused and it's like what? and perplexed at it. So yeah, well, for they, context, they they are very accessible because they are so visually uh, their animation style is so visually vibrant. And it's very inviting. Like even though you might not like what's going on, you're like, but but this 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 looks interesting. Everything about this looks interesting. And uh, <laughs> the thing that I got away from the wit uh, that I took from the witness or that I find interesting is that uh, being chased uh, by a murderer is is bad. But the only thing worse than being chased by a murderer is being chased by a murderer and nobody cares. Yeah. And um, this is how I feel about climate change. Because <laughs> once again, I live in the Netherlands. I might be underwater soon. Who knows? But um, can't sell our houses. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a meme. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> other than that, it's, you know, um, it, it's just this spending doom. And everybody, uh, I believe it was Neil Gaiman who said, uh, like, yeah, we are already experiencing uh, like an assortment of micro Armageddon's. We're already um, experiencing small chain of uh, end cataclysmic end events and so forth. And I kind of feel like, oh, that's 
that's the anxiety that is portrayed in the witness like your doom is impending you you we there's no doubt that the killer will not catch up to his target and you're just like moving <laughs> Uh, to be a leftist about it, she has to go to work as well, which I think is once again, uh, and it's a sex worker as well, and it's like this, this hyper, this emptiness of modern gratuity being put on display. Like once again, linking back to the heavy metal argument that I uh, said earlier, like it seems to play with this idea of like, look, it's female nudity, isn't that interesting? This is what you like, right? Uh, this is a really concerning large part of uh, media. And so forth and so on. And I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough to like dissect the witness as a whole, but uh, well, but I I did think it was interesting because of that. It tries to message something along those lines, uh, mainly by virtue of Hibaro being clearly more uh, I think some more depth to it maybe. But uh, I think the witness may, might say something interesting in that regard. You should watch it yourselves, dear listener. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if anyone wants to say anything about the witness. That's. Uh, well, yeah, they're like you know, I, I think the 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 sort of tropics of that one is the you know is the loop, um, and the it's loops looping things, questions about causality and like, which is something that goes into in in other episodes to causality or like you know, a, a lot a lot of situations can be sort of summed up in chicken and egg <laughs> scenarios, or you know like the i'm thinking of the uh what was the there's the one in the third volume i think it was a uh, swarm yeah swarm yeah. had this sort of like you know the the tropics of causality work in a lot of they can work in this sort of like causal loop way like in the uh, in the witness um witnessing witnessing a murder committing a murder leads to a witness leads to another murder and in swarm it's this causal tropics of like like enslavement and like you know honestly probably colonial i like you know the really enslavement right like this the this pre- the presumption based off of the language of humanity that this swarm of you know various a bit a swarm hive of different species and ca- different castes of different species that are mi- this millions and millions millions of year old ecosystem would not that there that there isn't somewhere what we would call you know a, a intelligence or the spirit of intelligence mm-hmm. or something along something that can be considered in our language um, it's difficult to, intelligence. to see. Sorry, it's difficult to see uh, intelligence and acknowledge intelligence for us without ha- them having a permeable sense of culture as well. I think mm-hmm. culture is always the one thing that we always derive intelligence yeah. from, and I can't talk about it because we t- I talked about it a lot on our last ba- last page <laughs> episode. So I'm gonna don't worry, I'm not gonna talk about culture nature <laughs> again. But um, it's. Uh, well, actually, no, I am. Um, Good Hunting is a interesting episode uh, about colonialism and how uh, this uh, sense of expanding the height of colonialism also means the decrease of uh, nature, in this case, magic. 
which is magic is the cultural sense of nature in so many fantasy and genre uh, fiction books. And uh, it's kind of like, for those uh, who haven't seen it, uh, it's, it's Cantonese Witcher meets, I don't know, uh, the Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> that is that sure that that makes sense. That That's works. A beautiful word salad, but um, <laughs> other than that, it's it's this sense of um, nature still being able to take revenge on those who harm her. In this case, culture, but having to, to having to do wanting to do harm, even though it's righteous harm, it does change you, and it this, it takes that very literally. It takes that very very <laughs> literally. And uh, I know I, I I liked it. I don't know if anyone else has uh, some feelings on that episode. Uh, I'm gonna say that I I, I had uh, the expectation or the concern that like at some point it was gonna go like well, but like probably shouldn't do this. This isn't that great. And it's like no, I'm gonna do this. And it's like yep, okay, I'll help you. And uh, that's it. Yeah, that, that's good enough. <laughs> I really like also just casual what's perceived as uh, man woman friendship. Which we never get enough yeah. of. It always has to be sexual. It always has to be romantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a minor note. I, I just really it's just it's just so annoying. <laughs> um, it always has to be never mind. Um, which is yeah. funny because she is overtly sexualized. Yeah. In uh, but she's comfortable with it. She uses as a strength and so forth. And uh, as as three non women. I, I'm hesitant to, you know, uh, get into deep because I don't think it's necessarily our place to talk about. But um, being aware of how often uh, female a- or women agency is taking away in a fiction in order for a man to be a shining hero. Like there's this really interesting line in, uh, <laughs> this doesn't matter, but this is a really interesting line in Dragon Age Origins <laughs> about... Uh, I was 2009 and I was really young I was like ooh this is this imprinted on me forever it's like this witch of the woods telling you like a, a man is always willing to accept that the woman needs help or is into him and I was like oh yeah that's 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 kind of true and they subvert I guess she needs help but it's not it's it's neatly interwoven with the themes of the story enough that I'm not bothered by it and yeah it doesn't rely on this like Either tropes of kinship or sex, yeah, yeah, like which I also find kind of annoying and boring. Like you can do either of those things, but it's always at the sacrifice of like anybody outside of prescriptive gender roles actually building friendship with one another, which is just not how like real life works. I know lots of people who like, and it's more important to I don't know like. I mean, while at the same time, everything is, nothing is sexual in, like, <laughs> it's like that you can't, that people aren't friends, They're, they don't have sex, they also don't have sex with each other in, like, you know, a lot of popular mainstream, everything is de-sexed, but uh, it's just, like, I, sorry, I lost my train of thought, because um, <laughs> uh, my dog, I'm going to be right back, okay. one second. Take your time, take your time. We want to jump into something from... A different vol, uh, from a different volume. We've been jumping yeah. around, which I think is good. I mean, actually. like it's pretty yeah, much what I expected. Like, um, well, Leon hasn't recorded with Kyle yet, but I've I've done it a couple of times, so it's like you're learn to expect how these episodes are gonna go. So just accept it. Like, you just it really goes with the flow and like bounces around a lot of different ways. It's like I, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Um, it's a Kyle okay. episode. That's what it should be. <laughs> I guess there are four points that I then want to touch on real quick. Go. I'm going to try. Uh, well, three and a half. Um, once again, we already talked about the very pulsive machine, which once again is the lesbian uh, dragging your loved, loved one's corpse around and a planet saying like, hey, how about... Um, <laughs> it's visually very interesting, but I don't have... Oh, I, I want to say about that very quickly. Uh, it's got a rotoscope kind of style of uh, visual animation, yeah. mm-hmm. and I love that. That is amazing. And I love how that is a kind of a thing lately in certain things like doing rotoscope because it's, it, it's something about like a different way of doing animation, but like it's still, yeah, it's a lot more hard work. Like it's kind of more manual, more analogic, so to speak, more analog. But like that's not, it's not unimportant or uninteresting because of it. So yeah, just a brief two cents about media. Uh, no, yeah. I like, I liked the stylistically. I liked it very much, and more than anything, what I liked was the that was a very confident story in its abstract phenomena, and it's it's very it, it was working with a very simple sort of interplay. You know, what's the at, at what what is in in this this living out of this experience what and then it's pharmacological <laughs> element what like altering perception of what things are but then confirming those altered perceptions reminds me of is a science fiction trope in a yeah. good way yeah it kind of like it reminded me you know it's the it's the it's the science fi- fiction trope that where you know some uh, it's like the, it's like the movie horse girl with allison brie it was on netflix um Don't know. It, it's a what, it's a good movie it's a good movie um, about a young woman who's having extreme breaks in her mental health that and all of it involving aliens and spoilers, you know, you know, at the end, there's you're basically left with the supernatural experience rather than with the, you know, like she's not like 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 the like the, the experience of the institution, right, mm-hmm. like in, to, in the sort of Foucaultian sense. Like she's not confined; she's rather like liberated at the end, in dis- despite the sort of th- actually and very much in affirmation of the traumatic experiences that she's having. And in this case, it's all in the language of mental health, and um, you know that uh, the the way that that general sort of that subjective experience. And I think in the case of the very pulse of the machine. It's a similar thing, but it's it's you know you know yeah dra- dragging the body of your loved one, and when the body starts to speak to you, you know, and then ultimately, yeah, I think I that's I think it's one of the best. Uh, yeah, yeah, and people should definitely see that. Watch that. I think one. it's very subtly uh, tries to ask you the question of, like having thinking having having thought about grief a lot lately. It's um it tries to very subtly ask you the question of, so. This person died, and in, in, in your heart of hearts, if you will, uh, you know that they have died. And but now, do you want to move on, or do you rather reminisce? And, and that's as obvious as the question, uh, as an obvious answer as the question seems to have. Like there's this very conditioned response, I think, to, uh, embedded by us by media that oh no, we should move on, we should heal. It's it it doesn't it is not that flippant about it. It's it allows it, it well in my very humble opinion it tries to project this idea that if you just want to linger here that's fine and this planet yeah. quite literally facilitates this 
and it's like well if this is your process of grieving then that is valid and yeah. as as well intentioned as a lot of people are about like oh you should move on you should forget you should keep going it is it is nice to see a reconceptualization of grief in such a beautiful visual yeah. way i thought that was interesting um really sorry otherwise we have to otherwise we run out of time here um so the other three are the drowned giant pop squad and hibaro I will just say about Hibaro, I don't. I wish I could say more about it, but I don't know shit about interpretive dance. <laughs> it looks beautiful. It, it looks so interesting. Um, it, <laughs> conceptualization of not conceptualization. Uh, this the idea of a deaf knight being the only one to survive because he's deaf is interesting. Um, love to see some uh, <laughs> some uh, like uh, disabled representation. It's too bad that they are colonizers. Uh, bit rough. I'm sorry for <laughs> the deaf populace, but uh, yeah, that's that's a rough one, buddy. Um, I don't know if anyone has to say anything other than colonialism bad yet again. Um, the hot take of the century: <laughs> colonialism bad. But uh, yeah, well, uh, fun fun fact: same uh, writer and director as The Witness. That yeah, one, same studio, um, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I thought that one was re- it, like extremely visually yeah. compelling and unlike most of much of anything that i've ever seen um and was like you know i like i it's nice to have that sort of interstitched with like the like army guy like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stuff which sometimes like you know kill team kill which like lost me even yeah. though like it's so I, bad it's so bad it's, I, I just like I, I couldn't get on I couldn't really get on board with that even with uh, um, Spike from Cowboy Bebop <laughs> right uh, which is a shame because he's great what was the uh, we talk, I talked about Swarm oh um, you had something about Pop Squad I believe I'm sorry yeah I think so let me okay. try my notes <laughs> I I find uh, Frank and I talked a little yeah. bit about Pop Squad already, and saying that it's like a, <laughs> the least subtle. I think the least subtle. Oh, yeah. um, uh, how do you say uh, ep- uh, episode or a short on? Uh, in it's like who needs list. subtext? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a very. It, uh, they're like they're like we should make a dystopia. Um, Everyone needs to know that this is a dystopia. How could we make sure that everyone knows that this is a dystopia? I mean, like, like but does it make it for uh, my question? Then is does it make it? Does it make a fervent pro-natalist, uh, pro-child uh, arguments, or is it? What is it? What is it? What does it believe in? It's my favorite question to ask. I don't think it knows. Yeah. That's the. That's why it's right. weird. Okay. It, it has no idea what it's trying to even say it, it's all that's why i found it really interesting it, uh, is because it's like just premise and right. so it's all like it's like watching the purge you know the purge is like like the best like dumb guy movie ever because it's all premise and then so it's all just like all these libidinal like random and these sort of like tropic elements stitched together and so it's this like it, it, in its inability to actually articulate a worldview, it actually tells us its worldview, which is this sort of like, it's a pastiche of anxieties yeah. about the like imagined problem of overpopulation, 
Like it, this, it, you know what yeah. this is? It's literally just reverse Children of Men. Yeah, like, right. and I'm like, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> this whole overpopulation, eco-fascist myth is like yeah. so interesting to me, and like yeah. how it has such a profound effect on the liberal mind. And it's just like, and it's just a guy it's, who watched Cyber. Ridiculous. <laughs> if it's just a guy who watched Blade Runner like thrice or something, I think, and it's yeah. like also really likes detective fiction, <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do cyber noir and uh, children kind of suck maybe, but also kind of kind of romantic. I don't know. <laughs> children kind of um, suck. It's, it's just. <laughs> It's just like they use. They also use the word breeders for people who want to have children, and uh, so, so my biggest problem is, and I, I, this is why I actually actively dislike it, is that the they make it seem like being on the top of society is just a simple choice away. Just don't have children, yeah. and once again, we can read more into the not having children choice, namely have career, have money, have be smart. Don't don't take don't don't fucking get take one of those shitty children. What the fuck's wrong with you? Um, but it does not uh, linger on that. But what is really disturbing to me is that this utterly idiotic conceptualization of like, oh, just be on top of society by being uh, not a parent. And that's not how any cyberpunk (laughs) Blade Runner-esque thing works, you fucking imbeciles. Like, I'm so sorry here to be, I don't like to be mean-spirited, but it's, it's, it would be, it would make more sense if the people on the bottom were used in some kind of way to facilitate, once again, this is so fucking simple, how did you miss this? (laughs) To facilitate people at the top and keeping them there above the clouds, because it's, it's stylistic choices are so interesting. But then, they don't do anything with it. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if you had the gun, but like it's a it's a nineteen sixty gun of Blade Runner? It's literally the gun for Blade Runner. That one movie, guys. It's it's a flying car. Anyway, it's... no, aesthetically that reminded me of Final Fantasy Seven, um, but you know, without any of the, oh, yeah. the decent, yeah. the more decent mm, politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I think all I want to say about that is like it was going all right until you find out that one of the people has children. Oh, she's also getting the immortality treatments. So it's like, uh, it's an eco-fascist government, but it's like or reality, but also uh, they just gave away mortality for everyone. And I'm like, I no, <laughs> no, I'm yeah, nah. That's not how. Nah. That is. So, sorry, that that Definitely. falls apart. I'm really to quickly. suspend my disbelief to quite an extent, but like, I don't know. but surprisingly, I did like the Drown Giants, the um, sad episode, which is from the same studio. Uh, this 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 giant that is washed on the uh, shores yeah. of England, and it, it, it's just kind of there, and I like that. I like the weird just being kind of there because that's how I experience weirdness. It's it's there. It has the banality of being there and in hindsight, in like okay, well, mm, it's it's there, and kind of they seem to understand that a bit more, especially in the beginning yeah. of the episode where the woman. So there's this giant man just <laughs> it doesn't tell you why it's not important but it's a giant... this is a jg this is a jg ballard story by the way this is oh, based really off of ballard yeah. that makes a lot of sense oh, thought... <laughs> yeah. yeah oh well maybe then it's not as good as i thought it was but i didn't know that but there was this interesting moment where this woman uh everybody's afraid of course because once again the fuck is this shit this giant man just washing ashore but this is one moment where this woman walks on the corpse of the giant, and in the moment she stands on the chest, everyone's like, "Oh, okay." And then you slowly see the like the 
the filthification or like the little footsteps of the little ant humans uh, now reduced to insignificant small beings because of the presence of giant man on beach, giant naked man on beach, I might say. Um, mm -hmm. And then just seeing the little footsteps on the giant's corpse, I thought, like, oh, that's, that's, that's so interesting. And I, it's always very tempting to envision yourself as the guy who is writing about the mm -hmm. giants. Like, oh, yeah. oh, I have such an... The academic have, guy, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. i think we've all been that guys up to a point like we create we look at us this this smug satisfaction of i can maintain the distance and i i, I scribble well-meaning and uh, my, maybe some in-depth thoughts in my little notebook in my little uh moleskine notebook about uh about how fascinating the giant is and look at most people just uh <laughs> covering the giant and then treating it like a amusement park and it's maybe yep. once again it tries to say something about society that way but uh oh it does it's about the, it's the exploitation of, su of pu the public exploitation of suffering yeah which is which is jg <laughs> ballard if you notice in the in this one too i like this one because it had it was a really it was really on the nose which you know i don't know ballard would like it but i thought it was neat like the butchery that has yeah. the big femur bone above yeah, it yeah, is yeah. Ba ballard butcher company oh, um of yeah <laughs> but like oh. what the thing but that's the thing about like the giant isn't just one like metaphor but is like like a sort of a repository of meaning which is where ballard's kind of like sort of like almost like religiosity the sort of real like the sort of, the engagement with religiosity mm -hmm. and like stuff like that really comes out in ballard in this like really beautiful twisted kind of way um, that ultimately just like, again, you know, the theme today's podcast sponsored by the word anxiety. Like, <laughs> it's just an, it's, there's it this, always is. There, it, it, that's the thing. Always, always, it's always, always has been. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it has this, um, the, the, the prime objects of our fascination and our desire, or the things that we fear the very most are all kind of mixed up in this like anxious suit that we're just trying to determine, you know how to like be ourselves or how to be a happy person and it's all through these like colossal external phenomena that we have to internalize which is the yeah. big other i guess like and ballard being yeah, yeah ballard being uh, placing an emphasis on psychoanalytic phenomena i think that like it's when, when it's brought out into when all of that is brought out into the public like how will people learn to forget or to ignore it, or how will they incorporate it as such, in, or in so in so many various ways that it, like the the most the most colossal presence can be reduced and forgotten and, or incorporated, um, and I think that's like really powerful stuff. It's the stuff that like I it's the stuff that I I have to find other things to think <laughs> about <laughs> because it drives me. I, a good friend of mine well one time tweeted uh one of the best descriptor of some of the stuff especially the stuff i post online um which is the sort of the fear what really f horror for me has always been about the fear of the unfull knowability of ourselves and like the you know the elusive subject sort of like if we can find this bottleneck of meaning and unification it's that like that we it's it's that it's unseeable um is the ultimate meaning of the subject and it's like Ugh, that's still like never being able to accepting being unable to know yourself is a hard thing but at the same time opens up these sort of 
like it opens up avenues of meaning that you don't expect definitely because you're no longer trying to like you know like incorporate incorporate the 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 sort of the the colossal corpse of like the meaningful big (laughs) other and instead you know i don't know i just like socializing (laughs) meaning has always been good it's done good things for me and has made me a less it's be made me le- slightly less scared of death and thinking stuff like that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Slightly, just slightly. <laughs> oh, definitely. I just, I'm just perplexed that then this The Drowned Giant episode is the same guys as the Pop Squad episode. That I cannot reconcile. Like, if you understand, like, Baudrillard yeah. uh, and, like, stuff like that, and <laughs> then you go on. Once again, I won't start over again, but then you don't go on and make Pop Squad. I'm just like. Do you have different writers? Was the writer occupied writing this episode? Or where where is the guy? Where is the person in your process that made this episode? And how did you also release Pop Squad at the same time? I'm always so fascinated by the behind the scenes uh, speculative interpretation mm. of yeah, this episode. Yeah, it's got to be a stu- it's got to be a studio thing too. It's got to be because yeah. the if it, if the same studio puts together two different teams with different yeah. writers, that's that's int- that is interesting. <laughs> like how how does how did two things that are so different and have such drastically different messages? Well, you know, and then so, like on sort, and then you look at source material. I've never read Paolo. I can't remember what his last name is. The writer who wrote the thing that was Pop Squad was based on. Oh um, yeah, but I have read Ballard. Yeah, <laughs> and so and when I when I see that, I'm just like, yeah, this is this really feels like, you know, it's not perfect. But it's in the spirit of the critique that Ballard is making, which is, you know, everything that we were just saying, you know, there's like the, what 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 do we do when there's a our huge problems are represented directly in front of us in this colossal form? Like, what what do we do with it? And humans? Oh, we ignore it, like figure, figure out a way to forget about it in, in like but in which m- memorialization is something is a way that people do that, like historical memory and public and public history actually work to incorporate forgetting just as much as it does memory and that's why like public memorials are really important for asserting a particular p- political position um I, 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 and that's not like a value statement i don't i people are like ah you know they i'm like you know, I just in the same way I don't abstract that idea and say that like no, it's just history or whatever. I also don't just place a supreme good or negative value on that. I just think it's a function of how, especially governments m- memorialize things. Um, it's 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 social. It's all social. It's profoundly profoundly Absolutely. social. Um, and I love that's what's interesting to me. I think it's a good point to wrap it up because Kyle yeah. needs to go, and as I can talk to Frank and also Frank and Kyle for oh eternity, definitely. Sadly, uh, I'm also adding this episode, so shut <laughs> it up. Um, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we uh, end the episode. Um, Kyle, where can they find you if you want to like plug your stuff? You can find me in various places around the internet, um, particularly Twitter and YouTube at Labor Kyle is my labor spelled the american way um yeah i oh yeah sometimes i like to stream on twitch um you can also listen to a podcast called all gamers are bastards um in which my good friend k if you like media analysis well 
<laughs> that's the place where I do media. If you like all the other stuff that I was just talking about with memory and whatever, go there and go to Zero Books and watch videos. And if you like the media and culture stuff, you should listen to All Gamers Are Bastards, um, available on your finest uh, podcasting source. The only podcast about video games. Yes. That's correct. The, well, um, we are the, we are the only two podcasts about video games that don't complain about women, so we are quite a rare breed. Actually, we uh, everybody can say, "Oh, another podcast about video games," but we don't complain about women, which is you know, yes. it's a very important asterisk there to add. I think personally, yeah, we've earned that qual- yeah. qualifier. Yeah. I think all of us. Don't be fooled by the latest episode of ACAP as of time this recording, where they do talk about a very important woman <laughs> on the hierarchy of women. But um, yeah, it's that fine. is true. That I've been is, exonerated. About it. it's, it's, it's okay. oh, Hi, Judge Leon deems them worthy. They, yes, I'm a Renaissance Pope Leon. It's like I've received the indulgences by by Kyle coming on this podcast. And if you ever want to do an episode between ACAP and us, I would love to do. A, uh, Last of Us, two. If you ever played that. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't done part. Th- we haven't done part two yet. I, yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Go on, a Gableon. I have a lot of ideas. Go on, a Gableon. So it's uh, it's uh, yeah. well, it's, you know, it's just this very humble suggestion. Wink, wink, love, love, kiss, kiss. Um, it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, anyway. Yeah. The bottom uh, line is, go follow Kyle. Go listen to his stuff. Yes. Read his stuff. Or watch else. his stuff. Go, go, be where Kyle goes. <laughs> uh, which also includes Horror yes. Vanguard and Profane Illuminations, which are also great things. Which yeah, uh, Kyle's always, always, almost we'll, there. We'll, you'll find because uh, <laughs> it's Kyle. Everyone loves Kyle. That's that's the bottom line. Wow, wow. Well, thanks for of having course. me. Of course, we appreciate you coming over. Mm-hmm.